Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 331. I'm one of your hosts, Chris, on some coaster, Mike. What's going hey. on, Mike? Not much, not much. Got an interview today with uh, Benjamin Morse. I'll be dropping out for that, you know. Love me some Benjamin Morse. Yeah, got a, got another Zoop book, August Purgatory Underground. Looks really good. Nice, nice, really clean hardcover. Thing looks tight. Um, yeah, not much else. Blue Beetle came out. Did you go see it? No. <laughs> it has, so it, if you would have told me Blue Beetle would have been the highest rated DC film in a while, um, I would have laughed. But it's at so currently at Rotten Tomatoes, seventy six percent certified fresh, and audience scores ninety two percent. So, so I am at the point where I don't trust audience scores. Yeah, I think I think every audience score is just like nine out of ten. We can see what Metacritic gave it. Gave it. Metacritic's they're a bunch of snobs there. Sixty one, but it's green. So, and the audience score? Oh, on Metacritic, uh, probably way higher. Oh, so I feel like there's a big discrepancy with. As the audience scores oh. are either ten or ninety, and that's why I don't no. trust them. Audience score on Metacritic. This is interesting. Is six. It's actually lower than the meta score on Metacritic. So the critics gave it a higher rating of 61 and the cuz it's weird because the audience the user score on Metacritic goes out of 10 and the critic score is out of 100 doesn't really make much sense to me but um there's a lot of negative reviews from users. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Here's a 0 out of 10. Marvel, Disney and DC only make movies focused on the woke agenda. Horrible movie. <laughs> Don't, don't waste money on these companies that want to destroy family values. That doesn't seem really aimed at the movie. I, I feel like, <laughs> I don't know, I would have to dig, but I feel like they purposely put those up just to raise anger. Oh, yeah. So I just don't pay attention to those fucking people. I guarantee you, I don't care who's starring in it or any of that. I just guarantee you it's not a good movie because DC has a bad track record and they deserve yeah. to not have my optimism anymore. Like, I just... I have no faith in this movie and it's a dead movie because I don't care what James Gunn says. He's, he said the yeah, flash was the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. And, um, he's trying to get, he's trying to get people through the doors, make some money. Yeah. We will never see this blue beetle again. Yeah. Hands down. If I'm wrong, call me out on it, but I'm saying it here now, we will never see this blue beetle again. Uh, I think, I think Gunn said this might be, he might be part of the new, universe but who knows yeah and i think I mean, that's part of his you need to go out and see these movies because he's now running the company yeah and he we'll can't wait. just say like no none of this matters so we'll fuck wait them. for we'll wait <laughs> for superman to come out yeah i yeah i have and i mean you can jump right into that news report uh, story on it i guess because it's it's one of the things in the news yeah yeah we can go i mean yeah. skipping over the tv but we uh well, first, Flash will be streaming on Max August 25th. So as of today, when you're listening to the podcast, it'll be a couple Friday, a couple days, right? Um, yeah. And I mean, Flash was what it was. I don't think did you, you enjoyed it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was straight trash. So yeah, I mean, I both sides of the <laughs> You also loved Ant Man. I thought the dialogue was trash. So I, I mean, oh, I agree with you. I just think Ant Man yeah. was fun. Where like I think yeah. Flash was trying to be serious and just failed on every level, including 
not spending money where they needed to. Yeah, I mean, for me as a for me as a DC fan, there's still fun stuff in there, but I can see where. Yeah, and I think that uh, people who are subscribed to Max and DC fans will probably at least enjoy this movie. To the ones I know enjoyed it, I probably would have rather watched it on Max than go see it in the theater. But I think that does go into my portrayal of it is that I I left my house, which I hate doing. And mm. I went to a theater and spent money, which I hate doing. Yeah, which I don't really do. <laughs> and then I often. didn't have a good time. So. Yeah. No, I do but, like going to the theaters, but like the fact that I spent money like definitely sours it a bit. The the Blue Beetle numbers uh, were disappointing. The Friday Saturday box office numbers were not good. But I mean, that's like it's not surprising. I mean, you. You made it about you did a Blue Beetle movie and then you didn't even have the original Blue Beetle. So like it's just I've, it's it's all very strange. From what I heard, he's in it. I don't know Is if he? it's true or not. Well, I mean he's mentioned at one point. Mm. I just think it's the the well's poisoned. Everybody's gonna blame it on political things, but like the truth of the matter is what the regular people are, the people who are not on Twitter. When you talk to them, the well is poisoned, and they just don't trust these movies anymore. Yeah, I mean, they once James Gunn gets it all figured out, we'll be all right. Yeah, I, I think the quality will go up then. But then, to be fair, like because I was just having this conversation with somebody who was trying to um, basically discount Oppenheimer because of how good Barbie did, but like if you look at what's gone on this year, even Guardians was a f- con- technically a flop. Right, because you know, there's only three movies that made money this year. Yeah, and two of them are Oppenheimer and Barbie. Right, and the other one is a super indie film, so I don't really count it because mm-hmm. of, we're talking about Sound of Freedom. But uh, Oppenheimer and Barbie are actually like high budget movies that made a shitload of money. Yeah, because Everyone, people, no yeah. one else did. I think people are a little exhausted with with superheroes. That's <laughs> well, and that's where I was I was kind of making the point that I think that everybody's learning the long, wrong lesson from Barbie. I I don't think it's about uh, female empowerment, and I don't think it's about uh, Mattel having its own universe. I think it's about having something different and having a comedy, a high-budget comedy on the slate. Have you seen the movie? I have not. You probably want to see it before you talk about it. <laughs> From everything I've talked to, they say it's a comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy, but it is really about. I mean, there's a lot of female empowerment in it. It's I'm sure there is, but like, <laughs> I, I honestly think that when, because I know dudes that are not like freak, not feminist whatsoever, that went and saw it and be like, it was fun just because it was funny. Yeah, no, like, I think a, people just a want lot comedies of, yeah. on on the the slate. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of right. funny parts, but like, there is some. I mean, if you know, Greta I could be Gerwig, talking out of, school, out, yeah. out of tune. If you right. know Greta Gerwig, but, like if you've seen any of her movies, that's kind of like she has fun, enjoyable moments. But like the the writing is like this one. It's not like I wouldn't compare it to like a typical Will Ferrell comedy. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like the ice skating movie or something. But no, I but I mean, right yeah, I just think it's we've gotten the same thing over and over again. And I don't think people are necessarily bored with superhero stuff. I just think that they're bored because that's all they get. Yeah. That's the only subject matter. Like they're like, Oh, we should do a funny superhero movie. Now we should do a, a like a sad superhero movie. It's like, and then yeah, make fun Barbie came out. That was this really colorful, funny movie. And everybody's mm-hmm. just like, Oh, this is awesome. Right. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the greatest movie ever made. I personally doubt it. I'll see when I watch it, but mm-hmm. 
I just think it's that's different. And then people are yeah, like, holy right. shit, something different. Let's go support that. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, there hasn't been a whole lot going on. I mean, most movies are getting released on streaming now. And then we have like, I mean, big name directors aren't really doing. They're doing they're getting paid to do like Netflix movies and shit like that. Um, you know, it's. I guess they go where the money is, but yeah, I think, I mean, like we don't even have comedies. Like if you look like, I don't know, five to 10 years ago, you look at comedies where like you had, I don't even know how old it is, but like Austin powers, Zoolander movies like that, like super bad, all of these movies like these like knocked up. I feel like we had, we had comedies before and all these like fun movies to go see. And I guess there's that like rated R dog movie coming out, but I, I, I haven't, no feelings about that movie at all so yeah and when i talked about it like because I, I say high budget comedies yeah and people are and people immediately go to the marvel like oh so you want to spend 50 or 500 million dollars on a comedy i said no no uh, the the two you just mentioned zoolander yeah. 28 million dollar budget right austin powers 20 million dollar budget yeah, that's a high movies, budget comedy right those movies are fantastic too. and and barbie i think had 120 or 140 million yeah. dollar budget so i mean inflation's in there a little bit but they're right, probably more yeah. because of the names yeah but like there and, it is like and it made a billion dollars already or something over a billion at yeah. the box office yeah and that's like majority american sales if i was remembering correctly because it got mm -hmm. banned a bunch of places <laughs> yeah they didn't want to show it in certain places yeah like hmm the american box office will come out when you give them something different yeah right <laughs> I, it's funny though when you don't like we always thought we needed China for box office numbers and stuff, but like maybe we don't need other parts of the world. Like we can go see movies right here. I think you do for certain movies. I think Fast yeah. and Furious dies without China. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I think Marvel yeah. dies without China. Like probably, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we can still make a lot of good money off these types of movies. So we'll see. Maybe I change that opinion when I see the movie in five months when it comes on streaming. Honestly, though, um, like if I had an option to go see Blue Beetle or Barbie, I'd probably go. I mean, knowing how good Barbie was, I would go see Barbie again just because like. I, I like, you know what the story is going to be for Blue Beetle, like it. Yeah, it's Iron Man one. Yeah, you know what it is <laughs> like. I've seen the toys at the store. They're already selling the villain in, a, in an action figure. I have no fucking clue who he is. Like, I, I get it. Like, um, yeah, it didn't do well at the box office. Uh, sorry, DC. There's still, I mean, that's the first weekend. You never yeah. know, but yeah, it looks like it's another flop. It's said to be doing worse than Shazam too. Oh God. Which is pretty bad. Yeah. I don't, I didn't think you can get much worse than that. So still better than the flash. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, it's unfortunate. I mean, at a certain point, cause like, I do think there's narratives around it that are not correct. And I do think that there's, it's not the people creating this movie's fault. Right. It's just, it's part of a poison well. And that's the thing. This could be the best of the bunch and it's still just part of a poison well. And it's, it's people still won't pay yeah. to go see it. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. another one. We'll see. Maybe when it comes to streaming, me and you will come on this and be like, damn, oh, Blue Beetle fuck. is the greatest movie out of the DC <laughs> this slate. This is so good. What, yeah, are we, but... what are we doing? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, you want to talk about Star Wars Rebels? do so as you're listening to this ahsoka has come out oh yeah it comes um, out wednesday or today sorry tuesday night tuesday night tuesday okay. night so yesterday to the people listening to this and i finally finished my rewatch of rebels 
And first of all, fuck, that is an amazing show. If you're a mm-hmm. Star Wars fan, watch it. It's so good. I just want to throw out some predictions because I think I know what's going to happen in Ahsoka. Okay. And I had these feelings, but I was trying to remember what happened at the end of, of uh, Rebels to like really put my thoughts together. But the last spoilers for Rebels, everybody. Um, the last episode of Rebels takes place after uh, Return of the Jedi, mm. where it's basically like, this is where they all are now kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it shows uh, Ahsoka and San decide that they have to go find Ezra because Ezra sacrifices himself in the last battle against Thrawn. They don't die, but they both are taken away. Mm-hmm. And I think, first of all, the entire plot of this season, because they've come out and said this is basically Rebel Season 5, is finding Ezra. And mm-hmm. I think when we find Ezra, he's a Sith Lord. Ah, uh, 100%. Cool. Yeah, but... I mean, Rebels, to, to longtime Star Wars fans, I, you don't need to watch Clone Wars to understand Rebels. So mm-hmm. put that baggage away. Um, you all already know who Ahsoka is, so like you get it. But there's so many great closure moments in the series, like Ahsoka fighting Vader and understanding who Vader is. Maul getting his last duel with uh, Obi-Wan mm. and trying to get revenge. Uh, we get to see kind of the birth of the Rebellion and how uh, the rebellion was a bunch of different cells that came together to then form the, the wider rebellion. Uh, more insight on like inquisitors and everything. It's just such mm-hmm. a phenomenal show. I want to throw it out there to everybody. Like, go watch it. It's four seasons, so that's eighty-eight episodes. Oh wow, seventy yeah. episodes. Damn. Yeah, because it was a Disney XD show, so it's back in the day where it's we need to have tw- twenty-two episodes per season. Mm-hmm. 22 minutes long that yep. whole thing yeah the short episodes yeah the syndication model mm-hmm. but uh it's good it's really really good i'm really glad i watched it and i'm really excited for ahsoka yeah i gotta i gotta i gotta watch it at some point maybe i can download the episodes on my phone yeah i, I can't way. recommend it enough to people yeah maybe i will i'll start watching it um all right everybody i think we're gonna jump over to this interview with uh benjamin morris and uh, about August Purgatory Underground on Zoop right now. And uh, we'll see you all on the other side. All right, everybody. We've got another very special guest, a returning special guest for you all this week. Welcome to the show, Benjamin Morris. Welcome, Benjamin. Thanks for having me back. Great to be here. Oh, I'm glad to have you back. I loved talking to you last time. Uh, obviously, I was a big fan of your last project and looking forward to this new one. So let's jump right into it. You got August Purgatory Underground, book one on Zoop right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's this book all about? So it's kind of an, uh, a throwback to, you know, your sort of 80s cartoon franchises mixed with some Star Wars. And uh, basically we're taking a character that's a, a very black and white, uh, you know, good and evil type, you know, hero. And uh, putting him in like a slightly more complicated situation. So um, basically the, uh, there's a long civil war that's been going on. It's raging throughout the galaxy. Uh, Captain August is kind of a hero in the tradition of Luke Skywalker or Dick Grayson, a very by the book, you know, good guy. Um, finds himself in the center of a, a big controversy when uh, he accidentally sets off a weapon, an enemy weapon that destroys Mars. So uh, as the war is winding down, he's finding he can't stay in the service. A lot of his old allies have turned against him. 
and his villains that he had faced for most of his most of the war uh, that people thought were gone are actually hiding out and uh, waiting to get their revenge on him. So it's kind of a, uh, a you know a story of a character growing up a little bit, having to find a new you know a new environment, trying to move on with his life after this war, and also you know good sort of a swashbuckling adventure. So it sounds to me right off the bat that we have some similarities to We Are Scarlet Twilight, your previous project, and mm-hmm. that it's kind of a an old school hero set mm-hmm. like put into a more modern lens. Um, and it seems yeah. to me like you're you're jumping. So you went from doing kind of a Captain America esque hero with We Are Scarlet Twilight mm-hmm. to now my other favorite thing, which is Star Wars esque heroes, <laughs> yeah. and throwing them into it. So. Uh, yeah, is that a correct uh, assumption? What you're trying yeah, to yeah, it, it really it is. Um, you know, when I looked at We Are Scarlet Twilight, and I actually had done August before We Are Scarlet Twilight. I'd been developing it for a decade, and the book that we're putting out now was uh, actually finished before I even came up with Scarlet Twilight. We just kind of had some pandemic-related delays, um, you know, getting it out to stores and everything, and and so we're just really trying to get some momentum built back up for it, but. Uh, the process as it ended up was a lot the same I, with scarlet twilight i kind of looked at all right i want to do this captain america type hero i want to have a lot of the imagery from the golden age of comics um, i wanted i had some themes i wanted to put in there and i've always described it as kind of like i'm putting these puzzle pieces on the table and figuring out what combination of them you know works uh august was the same thing i look at a lot of the stuff we've gotten you know like the the netflix version of he-man that was not terribly well received or the new star wars sequels uh, or, you know, the Star Trek Picard series, which kind of was really illustrative because it, it kind of did a very different thing people didn't like that kind of veered back into almost fan service type stuff. Um, the, the thing I was trying to do with August is provide that in the kind of experience I think those reboots uh, or our revivals try to provide, which is, you know, you want something new, but you also want it to feel like you like the old stuff made you feel. Um, I think that's kind of an impossible task when you're bringing back older franchises. So I kind of came up with a story that I think worked and then put all this 80s stuff kind of back into it. So hopefully that's by flipping it around a little bit, you'll still get a fresh story that feels exciting and new and, and you know, interesting. But you're also going to get a lot of things that make you remind you when you were reading Transformers comics or G.I. Joe comics when you're a kid or watching Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of an attempt to take the nostalgia idea. And, um, and and find ways to put that together and gives you a good experience, a good kind of roller coaster ride of, of fun. Yeah, definitely, and and it makes sense. I, I know I've I've heard this from you in the past, but it makes sense that this was made before We Are Scott at Twilight because one of the first things when I saw it initially was like, wow, that was quick. Because uh, <laughs> uh, the <laughs> last issue was recent, uh, a few months ago, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, the of Scarlet Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Did you do, did uh, actually, I think the last issue came out. This. Yeah, we did a so we did that on the crowdfunder for that, and that was issue four and the the expanded hardcover with all the extras in it. Um, the direct market version is actually I think just hit stores this this preceding Wednesday. Um, so um, that's wrapping up there, and we're making some plans to do a direct market trade of that as well. But. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so this was this collection I'd wanted to do for a long time because um, I developed it for so long. I have so much extra artwork and fun stuff I put together. And it was co- cool to, uh, you know, have a, a product that could include all that stuff. And you can kind of share all the things that I, you know, 
roads I didn't go down or but have artwork for uh, as far as the story is concerned and really just share kind of what that decade of developing a story was like a little bit. And had, had this come out in uh, single issues anywhere or did you just make the decision to go straight to uh, OGN with it? Uh, no, we did do a direct market version with Red 5 in 2022. And uh, it was just a rough year for anything new. So it didn't do quite as well as we'd hoped. And uh, and that's also one of the reasons I'm doing this is I kind of want to get um, just get some more eyes in the character. Uh, and, and hopefully uh, I have a lot more stories planned with him and want to do them. So I uh, really doing everything I can to, you know, obviously want to get the book out there. But I also just kind of want to raise the character's profile a little bit. Um, why, as much as I love Scarlet Twilight, uh, you know, August is my favorite of, of my creations. I really I have a lot, a lot of ideas where I could go with the story, um, a lot of other artwork drawn. And so I really kind of want to get that one up to where Scarlet Twilight has uh, has performed. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, science fiction is such a great genre and I can go so many different directions and that mm-hmm. it seems to be always a favorite with creators to kind of create a sci-fi world and then oh, yeah. throw, go into it. So you use Zoop it's one for... of the things that comics does so well. Yeah, definitely. Well, sorry. <laughs> I think we have a little bit of a delay, so I'm sorry, everybody out there, if we're talking over each other a little bit. Yeah, but... I've noticed that. I <laughs> I waited for a second, then. Yeah, so I'll, I'll try to keep that in mind moving forward. But for We Are Scarlet Twilight, the the hardcover, you did Zoop, and now you're doing Zoop again for this. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about it a little bit last time we chatted, but uh, why mm-hmm. Zoop? Uh, well, I'd been talking with them for a while, and when I did the campaign for Scarlet Twilight 3, there were a lot of delays that it wasn't any one dramatic thing. I did have some traveling I had to do unexpectedly for some family issues, but uh, I looked at the whole process and thought, you know, in addition to writing and drawing and you know creating these books myself, to run the campaign really just ended up being a death of a thousand cuts sort of thing. It was just a little bit too much from a time perspective to do. So for four, I went over to Zoop and um, had a great experience. They handle so much of the stuff for the campaign, pretty much almost everything. Um, and, and the other sort of thing that's great about it is they're doing all the behind the scenes stuff, talking to printers, finding, you know, sourcing things, um, handling fulfillment. So it was a huge help for me to just concentrate in the books and, and have them do that stuff. And obviously they're great with you know promotion and they're also great comics people. These are guys that have worked with a bunch of the, you know, IDW, a few other companies. And they know the comic book business inside and out, in addition to being really great with the crowdfunding world. So um, I kind of went with them, I'd say mostly for the time issue, just to take a little bit of that burden off of me and have more time to, to write and draw um, as, a, as opposed to running the campaign. But, you know, I've just found it was a really great fit and was happy to bring this campaign over there. Yeah, I've been enjoying watching what they're doing as a, uh, as a commentator and a viewer. I've noticed some things as a consumer that I'm curious about behind the scenes. And one is that fulfillment is definitely longer on Zoop campaigns than they are on. I mean, Kickstarter's hit or miss. It depends on the creator, all that. But I've noticed long mm-hmm. fulfillments uh, with yours in particular, uh, not to call you out because I have read your updates and I do know it's coming, but you have not fully fulfilled. We are Scarlet Twilight yet. Has that been because of Zoop? Is there something behind the scenes that just takes them a little bit Um, longer or? No, I wouldn't say that. I do think that we've had um, the, without getting too far into it, I I don't think it's Zoop's issue at all, really. The printer we kind of started with, um, there was a little confusion on um, the files I sent for the hardcover. Um, Basically, 
they were a little confused which page was which and i had to deliver different files because obviously the front cover of your hardcover is like a glossier different print is a little bigger than the pages um, and then you have that sort of inside page so there was a little bit of a hold up there i think we delivered the files late spring it's certainly a long time ago and um there was a little bit i think of a delay in in just when the printer was communicating with us but i'm hoping we have that kind of ironed out and uh, i'm certainly hoping with august now that we've been through that process where they're like hey what file is this is this the front cover or the back cover um we should be able to just hit the ground running there and uh and you know be ready to go with that maybe we've got all the files done and over there so hopefully now the communication's working a little better with the printer um we should be hopefully off the races pretty soon uh, as far as scroll twilight goes i think we're waiting on proofs to approve uh, I've checked in a few times with that, and uh, we're waiting to get those. And once we approve that, they should be uh, on the presses and out the door. Awesome. So it, it sounds to me like it's fairly normal, uh, quote unquote, issues that have delayed your at least your project a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, I, I, I would say it's normal. There's no dramatic story, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, I uh, I would say when I was doing scroll of twilight by myself, I would have, I, I worked with the same printer each time and the first time super fast turnaround, super fast communication. The second time it was like, you know, I'd have to keep sending messages and then, and it took a while to get a response. And then the printing process took a little bit longer as well. So I think that's probably something um, having seen it in a few different places and certainly heard other creators talk about, there's probably just something inherent to the printing business that, gives you those those different experiences sometimes i know a lot of printers have busier seasons where they have some more evergreen stuff like uh, i'd heard one place uh, one creator talking about working with i don't know if it was mixing or comic impressions but they said um the bigger printer that's attached to it when it was like yearbook season like nobody was getting anything printed except the yearbook so i, I think there's some ebb and flow that i don't quite understand but have certainly observed um the printers kind of going through well, I've also heard from creators behind the scenes that uh, doing trades and especially hardcover uh, collections mm -hmm. is a different beast. And when you've done floppies, and uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but you've never done a hardcover before no. on your own, uh, it's it's a learning process, too, that you're trying to figure out something you've never done before. Yeah. So, yeah. And that may be true. This is, like you said, the Scarlet Twilight would be the first hardcover I ever sent out. Um, and this, August is going to be the same format. So it could just be that that takes a little longer to, you know, I don't know the exact ins and outs of the, of their pre-press stuff. And then obviously getting the, the mock-ups made or that entails, but yeah, I've, I've certainly found it, it. It's a little more complicated, obviously, than uh, just doing your floppies. Yeah, definitely. So going, going back to August and your Zoop campaign, let's go ahead and pull it up and, uh, we can kind of look through it as you can see, if you're watching, uh, uh, this is Sunday before the, the interview launches, so we're a little bit over halfway in the funding. But you've got a lot of the, the basic stuff that you come to expect, a hardcover, mm -hmm. PDF, it's signed, uh, you get a remarked, and uh, all the, this. And then you're doing the uh, original art printed pages again that I think mm -hmm. we talked about yeah. when we are Scarlet Twilight. Mm -hmm. uh, and talk a little bit about the campaign and, and what you got going on here. So as far as what you're seeing there, yeah, we have those, um, we have the digital version. We have um, some options as far as getting, you can get the autograph version, you can get a remarked version where I'll sketch, you know, a character in there. And um, 
and then obviously those prints, which was a great idea as you've had, and I was really happy that did so well in Scarlet Twilight. Um, as far as what we're offering in the campaign, it's uh, a little over 200 pages uh, hardcover. Got a little over 100 pages of the story. That's issues one through four. Uh, and then there's these extras that I was really excited to be able to put in there. Um, I have a 13-page story that uh, actually those two pages you just scrolled past were part of that were from different drafts I had done over the years of August. And it's a completely different scene that I ended up not using. But I was kind of surprised to find that looking at even different pitches from different from years apart, uh, the the story worked and still made sense, and also worked within the larger world of the final um, the final one through four issue story. So that's in there. Um, and then as you're seeing, there's a lot of ancillary artwork I've done over the years just to promote it or just for fun to really flesh out not just August's world and like concept art type things, but you've got a lot of art here that I kind of did like what he would look like if he was a cartoon in the 80s. What if they tried to bring him back in the 90s and he looked like a Rob Liefeld character with you know, a mullet and the headband and stuff like that. And it was kind of fun to do, but I the thing I really like about having it in the hardcover is I hope it'll give you that feeling that, you know, I have these sort of mock-up versions of cards that we might do down the line that are from like the 80s, 90s trading card sets. And I kind of want you to feel like this was something that was around in the 80s and 90s and you just sort of forgot about it like the silver Hawks or, you know, something like that. And uh, hopefully, you know, it gives you that impression. It makes you feel like this has been around a long time and it's a continuation of a larger story. Um, hopefully it just gives you not, not only flushes out the world that the characters live in and their conflicts, but also, you know, the way we interact with these franchises and stuff and the memories we have of like, Oh, that was the art box. That was the art on the box from the place that I had or on the lunch box. I really liked. Um, it was fun to create that stuff, and I hope it kind of fools us a little bit into feeling like this had been around, uh, you know, for a long time, and, and we'd grown up with it. It shows me, a, a, even before talking to you about the the project, it shows me the the love for the project because, like, I look at some of these things, and I'm I'm a little bit younger than you, but also I grew up on a lot of that stuff because of my mm -hmm. my father's love for that stuff and what he kind of gave to me growing up, and like. This right here reminds me of the old uh, novels that I used to read from my father's mm -hmm. collection. Like these, I this was something that was outside of my uh, fandom, mm -hmm. but like you see the old G.I. Joe set. So I love that. Yeah. And then looking at some of the concepts, like this looks like a concept for a Star Wars comic, like a Luke Skywalker yeah. comic or something. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. everything here just is so awesome. I, I love all the attention to detail and love for it. Yeah, you don't you don't create all this nonsense unless you're really into it. So that's why it's uh, that's why it happened that way. Yeah, and then much like the Scarlet Twilight campaign, we you have like the preview of what it will look like and mm -hmm. uh, just beautiful hardcover. I, I love the spine. That's one thing that a lot of crowdfunding campaigns I think mm -hmm. fail to understand is the cover is the cover's important and mm -hmm. you should have a nice cover. Um, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but we do it every day. But what we need to find a saying for the spine, because as comic collectors, I mean, right behind <laughs> yeah. me is the bookshelf. I'm going to see the spine more than anything else. So to sure. see that cool, unique spine, I think is really important. Um, yeah, that's that's something I definitely agonized over. I, you know, I, I'm more most of my collections digital now when I'm reading new stuff. Just, you know, I lived in New York City for a few years and 
kind of learn to conserve space and, and get along without that stuff. Uh, when I'd start to talk to people while I was out there promoting Scarlet Twilight um, and watching videos and, you know, if I was going to go on a channel, I'd watch some of their other stuff and I'd see, you know, like how important that was to people. Like, they'd be like, this new Omnibus dropped, but the, the logo doesn't line up with the previous three editions and it really upsets yeah. me. And I'm like, yeah, it would upset me too. It's not something I would have thought of on my own, not being a big, you know, collector. But uh, yeah, I, I, I realized how important that was to people. And that's uh, the other reason I really wanted that design, the spine, to look great is I have at least four of these series planned out. And I wanted to, I really thought about like when I have all four of these done and it's on somebody's shelf, hopefully, you know, it's going to look, there's going to be a logic to it. It's obviously going to like line, line up and be, you know, designed the same. But uh, there'll be a hopefully a little bit, you know, there'll be the villain up top and a picture of August in the bottom. And, you know, it'll be like a cool, uh, and I'll kind of keep the colors going in the same direction. So it'll look, if, you know, all four of these are done someday and on somebody's shelf, they're going to look really awesome uh, lined up one through four. Yeah, the the logo things, I, I'm not huge in like really paying attention to logo, but it is irritating when like, I'm just going to use image, but image logo mm -hmm. is like, just a hair off from the others. Yeah. So like it just kind of dips on one of them when you have all of them in a row mm -hmm. or my absolutely the one I hate the most. And uh, I know Marvel fans going to pick on DC, but DC changes their logo every two months. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they had a perfect one <laughs> in the 80s. Yeah. And uh, there's a I'm going to forget the creator's name, but there's a Sandman compendiums that they were doing. Uh, back during the new 52 so it had that like page flipping dc logo on it yeah, yeah. and then they just stopped printing them after like mm -hmm. volume two or three and then they started reprint or printing them again with the newest logo in the past mm -hmm. like four three or four years so now i either you either have to rebuy the whole thing as a as yeah. someone who like does that or someone who doesn't have all the money in the world and can't do that i now have three with one logo and the rest with the other yeah. logo and it's so weird well, it's I've, I've seen a bunch of pictures of people who will collect I, I think it's the marvel omnibuses uh or some kind of collection i think it's called epic collection or something like that um yeah. and they would and i understand there's some, some printers go out of business there's a there's so, you know uh, paper quality changes you can't get the same material as you did last time so if it was something where like it was the same design and every effort was made to make it look as close as it could, but maybe the, the, the gloss is a little different because they just couldn't get the chemicals they needed to or something like that. Or, you know, life happens. If that, I, I'm talking though, those are things that would maybe provide like a slight difference or maybe because the, the material is a little different, the one's a little taller, we're talking like no more than an eighth of an inch off. Mm -hmm. And the pictures I'd see of some of these Marvel ones would be like, it was clearly like the same design, more or less. It had the same elements, but they had kind of like made the title, you know, go up above the logo or just like a, a complete, like there was no reason to do it sort of a thing. Uh, and then people would have pictures of like five books that looked one way and then the next one was just off and then the, the rest of them continued as were and it drove them nuts. And I, like I said, I could see why. Yeah. Yeah, I'll throw shade at Marvel real quick just to be fair. But... <laughs> Because I do love, I, I mean, I love both companies, but I'm known as a Marvel fanboy. But yeah, mm -hmm. Marvel like will print anything. So mm -hmm. I think at some point they just don't care about that, and they're just like, just get it to the printer. And I see that a lot, um, especially with omnibuses. Like you said, I don't have a ton of omnibuses, but none mm -hmm. of them, none of the spines are the same. 
Yeah, and like I said, I could see if it's like, hey, we have this opening to get this logistic. I mean, I'm not like making excuses for them, but stuff happens. Materials change, especially post-COVID. Um, we do a lot of work in my day job for a place that's a chemical distributor, um, which is so they'll provide raw materials for you know almost any manufacturing process or product you can think of. And they've had the crazy the stories they've told about how hard it is to get some of the sort of chemicals that are the building blocks of of stuff we use all the time. You can't find it. When you find it, it's a slow process getting it from where it needs to be, point A to point B. And I'm sure that's that sort of thing exists in spades for printers as well. There's probably a lot of logistical stuff that we don't know about that makes it hard to make everything the same time frame all the time, the same materials all okay. the time. I can excuse some of that, but when it's just like a totally different like reorganization of the design, I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. So definitely want people to know that uh, those four books are going to look as close to each other as they possibly can in terms of design. I really looked at that spine a long time because I thought, dude, you bet you, this is not something where you can wake up in a month, look at it with fresh eyes and say, ah, oh, I wish I had put the logo up here and the picture down there. Like it's got to stay the same. Yeah. And I think you did. I mean, judging from the image on the, the Kickstarter, I think you did a great job with it because I, I'm, I love it. I mean, I'm with collect, especially with hardcovers, because I'm not one to really, I, I don't like go out of my way just to get the hardcover. Uh, mm-hmm. If I can get a collection of something, I just get it. But when I do get a hardcover like that, the spine for some reason just always sticks out to me and it's yeah. everything we just talked about. So there is a reason, but it's, so important and i just think that a lot of especially independent creators and i think some of that is just uh time and money Mm -hmm. and and all that and some of them are writers not artists and so on and so forth but when you just give me a black spine with the name of the book on it it's like oh yeah or it's like in the impact fonts or something like that that just drives me up the wall i mean i'm a graphic designer so um that part of the process is really important to me and kind of to go back to what i was saying about all that extra artwork that's kind of intended to make you know, the story feel like it's been around a long time. The characters have been around a long time. Uh, the design is, I think, you know, another opportunity to really make you feel like this is a, you know, I, I hope it looks very, like a very modern take on 80s inspired design. So when you're reading this, you know, I want it to feel like when you're, I have an Art of He-Man book back there somewhere that that just like the design's great. It feels like a totally, you know, polished thing and really reinforces how cool that franchise is and how important it is and how long it's been around. And uh, kind of trying to bring the the design of the book for August that to that level, I hope kind of you know just gives you another another thing I can kind of wrap that experience in and make it feel like like it's important, like it like you have a connection to it, and it's just one of the tools we kind of have to do that with. Yeah do you do you worry at all that um, when this is funded and and it gets out to people, and you start working on volume two that you have to then recreate this for volume two, or do you look forward to that finding how to oh, like no. one up volume one? No, I, I think, well, that's kind of interesting. So volume two is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's probably when I'm all done with it, going to be like the most crowd pleasing one, but the next one I'm going to do is number four. Um, so it takes place about 50 years after purgatory underground. It's kind of a dark Knight returns kind of scenario um, in the galaxy while it's, you know, during Purgatory Underground, it's like a, a civil wars ending. So there's like still civilization and stuff like that. But by the time we get to book four, like society has collapsed. It's almost like The Walking Dead, but in space. And uh, it's a very different environment. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to do book four next so that you'll know how August's story kind of ends 
and where the where his character is going and where the world he lives in is going. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to go back and do two and three when you know those things about, you know, kind of where it's going overall. So I think there's, I, I'd always had the four stories planned out and I found myself fleshing out each of them and really finding myself more drawn to the, to the last one. So the one where it's, he's an old man. And the more I thought about that, I, I love in the eighties when I would read dark Knight returns in year one, and then go back and read my, my monthly Batman comics, knowing I know Batman or Dark Knight Returns isn't canon, but kind of knowing where where he was meant to go, at least that version of the character, and they could draw hints to it, really made that that experience of reading the single issues a lot deeper and a lot more. There's just more texture to it, so I think it's going to be really fun to do four. And then when you're going to read two and three, you're like, is this one this is going to happen to this guy? Is this one this is going to happen to to Earth or to the world? You know, like that's going to be. Um, I think a fun way to do it. And I, I think probably a more suspenseful way to do it. Uh, knowing a few spoilers, as far as the overall story is concerned, I think is going to give the the scenes in the middle a lot more, uh, a lot more tension. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I think what I was trying to get to was all the, like the little extras doing the, the place set oh, uh, image and all that, like one upping that, is that something you look oh, forward yeah. to? Oh, I look forward to that. And it's going to be different stuff. I think there's still going to be very, um, very 80s-ish stuff for all of them. But I think that as we go to, um, you know, volume four is going to be a much different world. And I'm going to probably create things that have to do with some of those influences. Um, things that remind you of Mad Max or zombie movies and stuff like that. Um, for the next volumes two and three, it's going to be kind of a, he sort of becomes a space pirate. So you're going to see a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, kind of goes down that road as far as the extras are concerned. And that's that's the kind of stuff um, I love doing because it gives me a chance to create, you know, different art and different styles, which I really like to do. Um, and it also gives me a, a lot of chance to design cool stuff in ways I normally wouldn't get to do. So uh, it's a challenge. I'm, I'm concerned about it, but uh, that's that's the kind of thing I really love doing. So more than anything, I'm looking forward to it. Well, my mind immediately goes to, and you can have this one for free, uh, is like Star Wars Black Series figures where mm -hmm. they just redo the old figures yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of doing like, this is what is coming out in 2024, but it's, it's Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. from new hope. And so just, yeah. you know, it's, it's August from book one. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I love the alternate takes on stuff and it's, it's fun to, yeah, for purgatory underground, which like I said, goes to, really brings in a lot of 80s, a lot of Transformers, a lot of He-Man, a lot of G.I. Joe. Um, it's really fun to do artwork. I'll find some piece of art that I remembered from when I was a kid and be like, oh, I could do like an August thing like that, that, you know, it doesn't copy it, but kind of just puts you there a little bit. And that's, that's, that stuff is so much fun to do. It's, uh, I wouldn't even call it work. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny to me, going back to where we started, that uh, I was drawn to your work with We Are Scarlet Twilight. Like I saw the influence and uh, connection to a character that I have read for most of my life and loved. And then to see your second work, your piece of work, or technically this is your first, but for me, it's yeah. your second. <laughs> yeah. Um, going to the other thing that's been with me since I was a little kid and I'm a huge fan of to this day. I mean, we're recording this on Sunday, August 20th, and I'm giddy with excitement over Ahsoka coming out soon. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really cool for me to have 
found you as a creator and really enjoyed that first book and to see the next one coming. And it's just once again, something that almost <laughs> feels like it was created for me. Um, have you found that a lot with uh, the, the consumers going out there or am I, am I one in a million? I think so. I think, you know, when I looked at this, I, it's a character I, I didn't like sort of plan out, well, what would be a cool thing to do or what would people like? Because mm -hmm. um, I love, I mean, if you've seen this artwork, you probably know I love Star Wars uh, as much as anybody. But I, uh, I, I kind of looked at it with, um, you know, like I wanted to do kind of my version of a Star Wars type thing. But, you know, it's got to be a little different. I wanted to have it. Um, there's a lot of Battlestar Galactic in, in the look of things here. There's a lot of the the color you'd see in Voltron and He-Man and Transformers. Uh, you know, Star Wars is kind of earth tones and and not a huge amount of color uh, that you'd see in kind of more toy-based franchises, uh, which is awesome. I mean, Star Wars is is the way it's supposed to be. But, you know, I kind of wanted to, if I was going to do something like that, think of like, okay, what's a good mix of things that we haven't quite seen together before in quite that way? And I kept going back to, you know, like I said, those 80s cartoons and um, you know, it's weird when you're a kid, or at least when I was a kid, you didn't just like play with Star Wars toys, put your Star Wars toys away and play with He-Man toys. You, they were just all fighting each other, you know? So no. this, this stuff does, it makes sense to me looking back and, and kind of reflecting on that to mix those influences together. Um, in fact, one of my favorite toys when I was a kid was a GI Joe, um, paratrooper guy with like camo pants that broke and I mixed him up with my Robotech, uh, Rick Hunter. And he was like the coolest looking toy in the world. So I, I like the idea of taking those visuals and uh, and put them together. And then I, I thought that works. That's kind of what I did anyway when I was a kid. So um, hopefully it feels natural um, to, to kind of do my take on Star Wars, but have so much of this other stuff kind of brought into it. Definitely, definitely. And uh, sorry, I got some in my eye all of a sudden. But <laughs> so I'm not crying, everybody. I just got some in my eye. Um, <laughs> So you said earlier a little bit that uh, Red 5 had published this originally and a couple of years ago. And mm -hmm. was there, well, A, were there copies a lot? Like, do you have copies of the single issues? And I guess the B mm -hmm. to that was, was there any thought of like selling the single issues as part of the Zoop campaign? We did think about it. We kind of ran out of um, time planning wise to, to sort of put that together. But the, um, yeah, we do have some extras of that. Um, I'm probably going to look at, you know, just obviously we're going to, I think, sell them on red5.com or red5comics, but um, might go to some conventions. I've never been to, a, I've been to conventions. I've never tabled at one. So uh, that might be a chance for me to get out there and, and try doing a little bit of that and seeing how that goes. Yeah. Uh, I think people right. seeing this now and it being more wide, uh, once people get eyes on, on the art and obviously you, knowing your previous work, I, mm -hmm. I think people would be interested in single issues. At some point, I know I definitely am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think you can get them at Red Five Comics, um, if I'm not mistaken, and I think that um, um, probably your shop could still order them too. I'm not sure if they're still in Diamond or if they're going to do you know another shipping of that. But um, yeah, we do have some copies of that left over. It would have been cool to put them in the campaign, but we couldn't quite um, couldn't quite work everything out in time, and then we thought let's just keep things simple. <laughs> um, the Scarlet Twilight Four campaign was so complicated in terms of like. We had, you know, you had to be able to get older copies of issues one, two, and three. But I had, you know, one, two, and three here. Four, we had to get printed all new because it was you know, the campaign for four. Then we had all the hardcover stuff. And it was just like, 
I, I think I didn't, I wasn't too, I, I was pretty happy to just have this campaign be, hey, pretty much just the hardcover and then the add-ons. Yeah, then you don't, you don't have to mess around with, well, this person got the hardcover and issue two and four, because that's what they're missing for their collection. And- yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But there's definitely ways to ways to get it. And I think um, I may do some updates on the campaign if we, um, you know, while we're we may reopen it before we print. And then maybe there's a chance to include that then, too. Well, if I could find that link, everybody, I'll put that in the show notes so you can check out the single issues as well. But definitely go to the campaign. Um, Yeah, Benjamin, I I think I've said enough that, you know, that I'm excited for this. I hope that everybody else gets excited for it. Uh, we still got about a week when this launches for the campaign. And uh, I mean, I have faith that you're over halfway. We can get the other half in this week. I um, hope so. It's It's been a rough month for crowdfunding, but uh, yeah. boy, I wish I had launched in July, but we've got some, got some time to turn it around and I think we will. Yeah, definitely. So if people out there want to follow you in the, the campaign further, uh, where's the best place to send them? Uh, the best place to look for the campaign is zoop.gg. Um, you can also find me on Twitter. Um, I'm always posting about this at uh, Benjamin W. Morse. And uh, you can find me on, um, you know, you can find August on Facebook under August Comic. And, uh, you know, pretty much just look around any other, do a search on uh, on YouTube, Instagram. Um, we're there too, but mainly Twitter and, um, and uh, Facebook are the, the best two places. And everybody out there, you know how it goes. Uh, links in the show notes for the campaign. And I'll try to find that Red 5 uh, website as well. So you can see the store there to pick up uh, hopefully some August books. And maybe even the, the We Are Scarlet Twilight issues. If you haven't jumped on that the billion times I've told you to jump on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Benjamin, thanks so much for uh, joining me today. Talking about the book. Uh like we said a bunch of times, really excited for it. And, you know, best of luck with the campaign, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And, and thanks for that. And we're back. We're back. Check it out on Zoop. August Purgatory Underground. Very nice, sleek looking hardcover. If you're a fan of uh, We Are the Scarlet Twilight, too, it's a big hit. Yep, and We Are Scarred Toy is available in comic shops, so yes, check it, it is out that. there, too. Yeah, it is. Very cool. Um, all right, a little bit of comic news. DC announced they, uh, after another long time Marvel writing, they poached uh, for a new Batman miniseries. It's Batman Offworld, be written by Jason Aaron. What? And art from Doug Menke. So we poached another one, Chris. We got Jason Aaron over at DC. This is pretty hype. Yeah, that's how DC gets good. They just steal all Marvel's writers. Um, yeah. Well, steal them while I feel like DC's doing a great job right now with Joshua Williamson. So they're like, we'll just add another one into the fold. Jokes, uh, everybody. Just jokes. Uh, this will be, it'll feature a young Batman. He's forced to face off an off world threat for the first time. This will be Aaron's second comic for DC. Early on in his career, he wrote a Penguin one shot. The writer is also well known for his Vertigo series, Scalped. Oh, I remember Scalped. Scalped. That's one I've never read that I need to. Yeah. I'm a big Jason Aaron fan. Uh cool. Good on DC, man. Like okay, DC fighting some or uh, Batman fighting some like hybrid bio robot things. Yeah, I mean the art's awesome. Yeah. It's 
it's Jason Aaron. I mean, some people are just like, well, it's just one miniseries. But what I keep saying is this is what happened with a bunch of the writers. They came off right. their exclusive contracts, mm-hmm. uh, wrote like little things. Like, remember, Chip started with Batman Urban Legends, and now look where he is. Like, Stephanie Phillips started on a miniseries, and then she was doing, uh, now she's doing, um, well, she was doing Harley Quinn. Oh. I don't know if she is anymore, but like stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and now she's over at Marvel. So like, yeah, now she's at Marvel. Yeah, I'm saying in terms of the the Marvel writers that have moved over, like that's what you've seen. They jump on a miniseries right. as a yeah. part of what they're doing with Marvel, mm-hmm. and then eventually they're doing the big books for DC. I mean, DC's yeah. littered. DC has their own talent as well. I mean, Joshua Williamson we, we bring up. So like, my joke is just a joke, everybody, but. That's what we see them do is they come into the fold. And I think Chip was a big part of this because there's a lot of respect for Chip in the industry. And they come in the fold, do something quick, and then see, you know, the fun that's being had over there. And they end up jumping on something else. Um, Because I think that exclusive contracts, for the most part, are a thing of the past. Um, We see both publishers not wanting to pay out these writers huge contracts. So it's mm-hmm. I'm at the end of the day, like this book, I'm so excited. I, I don't really it. get those. Those last two covers don't. It's just Batman. <laughs> like, yeah, this one, this doesn't tell me he's fighting an off world threat. And the other one doesn't. I mean, I guess maybe he's in like, it looks like he's on the Starship Strek Enterprise. That looks like a sliding door behind him. But like, or he's like, he's in a boxing ring. <laughs> the first yeah, one's I mean, the best, I think. It'll say uh, off world on there it. There we go. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a good one right there. Who's that? Who's that villain? Is that a, um, what's his name from, from the Justice League movie? It looks like him. Desaad. This uh, who the hell's that? Starfire. I don't know at all who this. I think it's supposed to be Starfire. Starfire in some weird organic suit. Yeah, Batman just fighting the Borg, Mike. It's fine. Yeah, that's what it, <laughs> that's what it reminds me of. It's like Star uh, Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> That'd be cool, though. I think it's gonna be great, and I think this means that uh, we're gonna see more Jason Aaron over DC. Because I'm trying to think, I don't think he has anything lined up at Marvel right now. Mm. And it's funny because the last like mini series we got with Batman was him fighting an off-world threat with uh, um, with Gary Whitta and um, Derek Derek Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. So it's like, huh, interesting. Batman in space gets the miniseries. I guess that makes that makes it a fun story because then you don't have to do all this sixty and, issues. And listen, tell me that isn't Derek Robertson X S yeah. art. Like Yeah, it really is. <laughs> no, it does it does look like Derek Robertson's art, yeah. Like it's similar. I know he's got his own yeah differences there, but like it's yeah, it's similar. So No, that's pretty cool. I mean, I'm gonna read it because it's Batman in space. So obviously. I'm down. I'm I was kind of sitting around for a while being like, what's Jason Aaron going to do next at right. Marvel? And as much as I am a Marvel stand and love Marvel comics, like to see him go over and get a new batch of characters to play around with. Mm-hmm. I think that's the preferable choice, honestly. Yeah, that'd be cool. Get to see him play in a new sandbox. He's been at Marvel for a long time, done a lot of great books. Yeah, he's done so, like all the staples, really. Yeah, and he's Maybe done a bunch of independent stuff, too, which is fun. Yeah, he's a great writer. All right, let's talk about some of the stuff we read this week, Chris. Let's do it. Uh, cannot wait for this. I love this. Love this series, Batman Superman World's Finest, number eighteen. Mark Wade and more on the art. 
man, I'm so glad that this uh, the series has gone 18 issues because I, at first I was like, there's no way they'll get Mark Wade on for the long haul for this, but man, they must be selling really well, right? I would assume so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought it was a great issue. It's about Batman and Superman working on their first case together with the Riddler. So that was pretty cool. Like the the Riddler is being controlled by um some Kryptonian villain, I think, right? Or something like that. But then Batman gets trapped in the Phantom Zone at the end of the issue and Superman has to fight the villain. So it was pretty cool. They had to like team up and and Batman was doing this stuff where he like knows he asked like Clark Kent to come to Wayne Manor to interview him and he knows he's Superman and Superman knows he's Batman. <laughs> so like that was a lot of fun. So quick story. I, I haven't told you this one yet, but mm-hmm. I didn't read it because uh, where I work, our uh, our building and our parking lot is in a residential area. Uh-huh. And I set my backpack down that had my earbuds and my tablet and my lunch pail in it. Oh, no. And somebody walked off with it when I walked, like went to grab something out of a truck. So I, oh my god, I didn't get to read any of my digital books this week because I just got a new tablet the other day. Are you serious? That's Dead crazy, serious. dude. Oh my god, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, what the people suck. Yeah, listen, I was pissed, but like after a little bit, the drive home, just like, well, they didn't get anything all that important, and the right. tablet. It's not like I bought like a nice iPad or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you just need a Kindle for books, really. Yeah, so. so I literally just bought like a Samsung Galaxy tablet that was like less than a hundred bucks. Yeah. Which is basically what I had before. So yeah. You just need something to scroll with. It sucks when the grand scheme of things, like they really the joke's on them. They didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, they're gonna Other open and be really like nice what? backpack. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna like open the tablet but what the what is fucking comics on here what the fuck well that's uh so it was wednesday when it happened yeah which is great because i just spent the, the morning like loading my tablet up of books to read and i didn't get to right. read any of them and uh i went to the comic shop and the owner was just like don't do you have like a passcode on it and i was like oh yeah i do so they can't even get into my tablet wow i mean that's they'll hilarious. find a way and probably reboot it and like pawn it but yeah that's funny the only thing I felt bad about was there's some review comics on there, but oh. what are the chances that they read comics and know? Yeah, right. They have no <laughs> idea. Um, but yeah, so I didn't read any digital comics this week. Okay. <laughs> Point of that story. So, so Night Terror, so most of the DC stuff, right? Night Terror's number two, Superman, or Superman number two? Or did you buy uh, that? No, those I pick up physical, okay. but I didn't get a chance to read it. Uh, Williamson, Riley... That was a good issue. Superman has to get Lois out of her nightmare, and it's you're gonna like it because it's Aquaman and Mara teaming up to like get Superman out of this out of the nightmare state he's in. Um, and they have to fight like one of those sleepless nights while and defend Superman while he's like in a trance. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I caught up in Guardians of the Galaxy number five. I thought it was they finally encountered the group fall. I thought it was a good issue. You know, a lot of stuff going on there. And then I had a few Godzilla books this week that I actually picked up at a shop. All I really got to, but I had Godzilla Rivals, Biolante versus Destroya. So these Rivals books are like literally what they're, I mean, it's just the the villain uh, Kaiju versus each other. So that was like a, I love Destroya and Biolante is pretty sick. So see, these are all one shots too. So like the story is like, okay, there's a scientist and now these monsters are going to fight. So I love it. Uh, Godzilla Monsters and Protectors. So this was a series before I never read, but this was a one shot. So it kind of catches you up. So you got Jet Jaguar, Mothra. Jet Jaguar is basically Ultraman. Like 
or it's Godzilla Ultraman. Yeah, yeah, it's Godzilla Ultraman, and uh, and then you have Godzilla, and so like they all have to team up uh, for this issue to fight Mecha. He's not on here, Mecha King Ghidorah. So that's pretty sick. That was a fun issue. A lot of cool fight scenes. And then I had this is a new series that came out. I love the cover because it, they look like toys. Um, this was Godzilla War for Humanity. This is a really cool series. Um, the characters are cool, and they like there's like this kid that has a blog about kaiju, and he like is in touch with Godzilla, and like they're trying to use. I, there's like some stuff going on in the government, but it's 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 a fun book. It's it's really good. The art's a lot of fun. Uh, Andrew Mac, uh, McLean writes it. Uh, Jake Smith does a great job with the art. So yeah, it's it's awesome to see IDW putting out Godzilla stuff pretty consistently because I'm I'm here for it, especially when there's not a whole lot of continuity involved. You know me, I just like big monsters fighting each other. So the last one I got on my uh, tablet to read. Oh, this one, the War for Humanity. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm it's a good book. Yeah, it's IDW doing some good stuff, but yeah, that's what I had this week. That's what I had so my first book was Queen of Swords, and and Mike, it's woke trash, so you shouldn't read it. Oh, okay, <laughs> really? Uh, it's so it's the the four female characters from uh, Barbaric, as you know from issue one. And oh like, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. There's a one of the sisters of the witch is like haunting them. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get that orb from them, yeah, uh, from her. And so this whole issue is basically the one character just like trying to fight back from her sister, uh-huh. who's like and going into her brain, trying to like take her over, and then ends up getting her into this uh, kingdom where the king has decided that he's, I guess, the king works for the sister, okay. and he's going to basically enslave her, while the rest of the group is being. Um, having like a mind meld where like they're seeing things mm-hmm. that they uh to basically freeze them so they can be killed or taken over mm-hmm. and all that so it's a lot of like psychological not horror but psychological like thriller mm-hmm. scenes it's a really good book it's just cool. there's the one character who is a barbarian and it's the one we saved from hell in yeah. the last mini series and she's right. my favorite because she's a barbarian yeah <laughs> and right. that's why i buy the book because i wanted to see barbarians but uh other than that just the only thing that's missing is like the the straight just gore from yeah. barbaric it's still got some of that humor we got a talking weapon in this it's a sword instead of an axe yeah it's a skeleton right from the last series it's the sword that uh the vampire dude was carrying around yeah but the guy i think it's like this skeleton demon like got trapped in it on his way out. Of That's the right. That was like the comic book science behind it. <laughs> and what's what's fun about him is instead of like the the axe that's bloodthirsty and wants to kill everyone, this one's just like so what? Like he's almost pacifistic, or he's like, <laughs> why do we have to do it? And then he yeah. does it, and he's like, oh, that's why. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. So yeah, that's a really yeah. good book. Uh, Void Rivals number three, the Kirkman Transformers quote unquote book. Mm-hmm. Uh. So they get off the ship with this giant. So I end up finding out that all the aliens in here are from Transformers. So now I'm just pissing off Transformers fans because I have no clue what's going on. But I'm oh boy. really loving it. Yeah. But uh, we get a bunch of alien encounters. We get like the 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 bounty hunter alien who we saw in the last issue. He ends up letting them go because he's like, hey, there's no bounty on your head. So like mm. I got no skin in this. So just right. here, take this. 
and but along their way they let this other one go and he tells them like i'll let you go but like he's worth a lot of money <laughs> so he ain't going anywhere and as a matter right. of fact like your makeshift ship has this thing on it that's really like worth a lot of money and you just want to get a ship to go home i'll give you this ship that runs mm-hmm. if you just leave me the trash that you came here and they're like okay that's cool so they go home and uh at the last second there's one of them betrays the other uh, of course because of course that was happening it's gonna happen right yeah uh avengers number four is a lot of punchy punchy mm. which is great so the there's those four like alien demon things okay that think they're gods and the the avengers are spread out trying to fight them all and that's essentially the the moral of this book lots of punching yes love it it's good stuff uh, Batman Inc. number 11 was from last week, and that was uh, it was really good. It's not necessarily... I think there's one more issue in the Joker Incorporated story arc, mm-hmm. but it ends in a way where basically there's two sides to Batman Inc. now. One that's just like, fuck it, let's kill these Jokers, and one mm-hmm. that's like, if we do this, we're no longer Batman. Right. And so it's them warring against each other at this moment. And it ends with one of them kind of taking things in his own hands. And it looks like he crossed that line, but I'm sure he didn't because that's not how comics work. Right. Uh, <laughs> of course not. And then uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man number nine was another was a great issue. It's Miles fighting um, Hobgoblin mm-hmm. and them trying to figure out like why Hobgoblin's so overpowered right now, and it has something to do with the Beyond Corporation. And so it's him and Starling fighting the villain and then kind of going their separate ways at the end, but Miles finding out that, like, shit, there's... This corporation's doing something, mm-hmm. and it's empowering villains. Interesting. And then, uh, for everyone reading Superman out there, this was random. This also came out last week, but I didn't get to it till this week. Uh, Superman Annual came out. Oh, yeah. I forgot it was an annual. And nothing to do with Night Terrors. So that was almost, it was kind of nice to an yeah. extent. But it just, it sets up the next story arc for Superman. And we get it kind of from Lois and Jimmy's point of view, where Lois is trying to run the Daily Planet. And so she sends all the different reporters out to do different stories mm-hmm. and does, you know, the classic, Hey, you're a sports writer. You're going to go do the, the, the gossip column today to get you out of your funk, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it's all these different writers going to different places and trying to get these stories. And the most interesting one is the one where they go to super uh, corp and they find that like parasites on work release from jail uh-huh. to work for super corp. And all this stuff. And meanwhile, Superman's running around uh, fighting a giant toy. So obviously, <laughs> he's fighting Toy Man. Toy Man. And uh, we end up finding Toy Man. And what's really happened is that Toy Man's been chained up and beaten. And somebody else has taken over all of his like technology. Mm. And that kind of sets up that the next arc is about this these two uh, siblings who have taken over different villain's stuff and is using it against Superman. Mm-hmm. But the kind of PS to that story is that they've somehow imprisoned Lobo oh. and are have stolen a drop of his blood and are trying to study it for something. 
so very interesting stuff a little bit darker of a story than the the past story arcs have been mm-hmm. but i i really liked it i think it fits in with what williamson's doing oh and as i flipped through i forgot about this page there's a pss where we see brainiac oh and it seems like he has another bottled city and that bottle city is uh lobo's um, hometown or home city or whatever so there's huh. more lobos out there apparently that's pretty cool yeah so there's a lot going on but yeah. i think if you're reading superman do not skip this annual yeah it's pretty important it sounds like yeah it actually like digs into and, and continues the i think i think i finished the night terrors book and it was like continued in superman annual and i was like oh shit i didn't even know there's an annual coming out which something. is funny because i think that came out the week before night terrors yeah. maybe it came out the same week yeah but either way it's like out now in the annual, and I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> I was yeah. like, "How did this happen?" Highly recommend that annual. Nice. And then uh, my last one was Nottingham Volume One mm. that I read, mm-hmm. and we—I think we read the first couple Nottingham issues because we were sent them. I think I read the first volume because now there's more out now. I think. Okay, I only yeah. read the first couple because at a certain point I start I stopped remembering things and I was like, okay, yeah. this is where I stopped reading. Yeah, and it's one of those things where I stopped reading just because time and effort and money and all that stuff. Right. But I picked this up and I read it in like a a one day, just sat down and read it one day, mm-hmm. and it's really fucking good. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, it's so good. Yeah. There's a lot of hype around this book, and I, it's well deserved. David Hazen, man. Yeah, and it sets up a, a second story arc, uh, as we obviously know, because there's two more books in the Nottingham series right now. And I look forward to picking them up and reading more because it's it's just a great twist on the Robin Hood lore. Mm-hmm. It's really um, cool. Yeah, a little bit darker, kind of doesn't necessarily make Robin Hood the big like um, ethical goody goody good yeah. guy. Like he right. definitely has some things about him that. Uh, gray up everything a mm-hmm. bit so yeah yeah definitely recommend that and good on mad cave for uh this book smaller publisher putting out a really good book yeah yeah it was like a golden so nugget that, they had oh, yeah and it's i think this i'd have to look back but if i remember correctly this was kind of the book that really rocketed them to where mm-hmm. people start paying attention to them yeah for sure Yep. And uh, now they actually have somewhat of a name. They're still not a big time publisher, but they're they're putting out better stuff with bigger names now because of it. Mm-hmm. So good on Hazen, good on Mad Cave, good on the, everybody working on this book. Yeah. But Mike, that was everything I had this week. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter or X, whatever people call it. Where can they find you and or the show? <laughs> you can find me at Fortress Chris on social media. Just, yep. I'm there. Everywhere. If it's a thing, I probably have it. Yep. Oh, except for True Social. I don't have that one. But yeah, uh, you, can, you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on X or at FortressComicNews.com. And if you want to support the show, remember to like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube version or give us five-star reviews on the podcast version. That one does a ton, and it's awesome for you all to do it. And you can also join the Patreon at Patreon.com slash Comics. So thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. And we'll see you all here next week. See ya.